Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Life is Full of Daisies with your girl Daisy. And on today's episode, I have a special guest. Her name is Terry Ho, and she is a wealth advisor. So we're going to talk all things money today because we all millennials need to make sure we are setting ourselves up for a financially stable and financially free future. So Terry, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. I hope everybody's doing great. I am a wealth advisor. I help manage your money so you don't have to do it as well let's put financial plans together for retirement, college funding, or just wealth accumulation. I'm originally from Dallas, which is just down the street from Houston. I have been in Houston for about, let's say, four years. And I have to share with you guys that I was kicking and screaming all the way down to Houston. Now, I don't think that I would want to live anywhere else right now, just because the culture and just the diversity and how you can actually really feel the Southern vibes in Houston, which is really? weird. Yes, which is weird from just mm-hmm. living in Dallas, which is right down, down the street. Yeah, which I've always heard that there's always because I grew up kind of close to Dallas, but I grew up in the country, so I didn't know either one. And I've always heard that there's this big rivalry. Yeah. yeah. So that the weird thing is, so I visited Houston a while back before actually moving there just because I had girlfriends that live out in Houston. And when I came, I had these awkward looks and they would call us the Maybelline girls. And what? later, yes. So later down the road, I found out that it was because people in Dallas, it's like a mini LA. That's what we were compared to. So we oh. wear high heels to the grocery store. And so when I came down to Houston, the vibe was a lot different, was more relaxed, down to earth vibe. So I think that's what the biggest difference I feel like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. (laughs) It's crazy. So then, uh, so you came, you moved here. Is there a reason why you moved here from Dallas or what brought you to Houston? So I was engaged and my fiance lived in Houston. So it was either he came to Dallas or me to Houston, but uh, at the time, his work was doing a lot better and he was trying to grow his career. So I decided to make the move down to Houston. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, like I said, I was kicking and screaming, but I love it now. I love the culture and especially the food, just all the food available. Oh yeah. It's been hard, I'm sure with the pandemic, you really can't enjoy much right now. True. True. But we we have to make the best of it and try to support all the the restaurants here in Houston. So we have something to go back to. Very true. I do agree with that. And I try to do that. And I live in the inner loops. I found out about like the two inner loops and you kind of want to stay inside of that. Is that Mm -hmm. something that's true? I like I live inside 610. And the way I look at it is if you make me go outside of 610, that's a that's a day trip. I have to have snacks (laughs) and have to be mentally prepared for it because it is too far. It's just a lot. I know. Living in loop is is amazing because you have everything you need all here. You don't really have to go anywhere else. Which is so crazy to me because in Dallas, everything is literally within like five, 10 minutes of you. And with Houston, like anywhere, everybody's asking, well, how long is it going to take? I'm like, always add 20 to 25 minutes. So that's another thing that I had to get Uh, used to. Yeah, that's Houston for you. So then were you always doing, like, were you a wealth advisor in Dallas or is that something that you started when you were here in Houston? Becoming a wealth advisor, I actually started that when I was in Houston and living in Houston for a little bit. When I was in Dallas, prior to this, I was with a telecommunications company for about Mm -hmm. 10 years. And I left the company because I guess I felt like I reached the ceiling 
and there was like nowhere else to go, especially like in a male dominant industry. Mm -hmm. So a friend of mine recruited me and that's how I kind of got involved with the whole wealth advisor aspect. Oh, that's awesome. And then so she recruited you. So what about it intrigued you? You know what? At first, I was kind of hesitant because I'm so used to telecommunications. I've done that for 10 years. So switching over to like just finance, I was like, wow, I mean, is this doable? But the more and more I got immersed in the financial industry, Mm -hmm. I realize very few people really understand how money works. So yes, I did start getting intrigued because it's like a field that people need to be educated on more. I agree. And that's why we have you on the show today. Here I am. <laughs> we, need, we need someone like you because I mean, I'll give a little backstory as far for me, I was always almost afraid of money. It seemed like I knew about it. My dad set me up and he always talked talked to me about saving, but he never talked about actual retirement, like 401k, all of that stuff. It wasn't until I started my first job. And then I had other mentors that were you know, a lot older than me listening through to them and how they prepared for life. I'm like, oh, I need to look into this. And that's how I started realizing how important it is to set yourself up for your future. But then I also started, you know, when you make your first big check and you have all this money coming and you spend it, you don't realize that you need to make sure you're setting yourself up for a better future. And I went through a time where, yeah, I got myself into a little debt and then I've had to like buckle down and i started reading a lot of books because I honestly did have no idea even what my financial advisor was talking about half the time. Oh, yeah. I was like, what? What is this lingo? Like, I didn't understand it. I was just like, huh? Okay, I trust you. Like, yeah, okay. Or like my guy that does my 401k and stuff. Yeah. Or my IRAs. He he would tell me these things and he'd sit down and explain it to me, but it still sounded like a foreign language. I was like, what? I do agree with you that it does sound like a foreign language if you don't really study it. So that's, that's another reason why I'm interested in this or I became a wealth advisor is because yes they have their own language but I try to kind of break it down to where it's layman terms for my clients to really mm-hmm. understand actually like really educate them not just kind of direct them and tell them how to plan correctly but just mm-hmm. like have them understand it so that way they can pass it on to their kids and so forth and so forth because I feel like a lot of I mean like I said dealing with a lot of clients just finding out a lot of people are, were in the same shoe as you, Daisy, like just kind of being afraid of it. And I know Mm -hmm. that you said your father kind of told you to save, but did he kind of like teach you how to save or did he just tell you to? To be honest, I... I, like, I don't remember him like teaching. He would just tell you, you know, you know, every paycheck, you need to make sure you're putting away this much money or live like on the minimum, which to a sense that's true. But I also want to enjoy some of life now that I'm, you know, as I'm young. But honestly, I don't remember him like telling me you need to, you know, this is how you need to do your savings, like budgeting, all of that stuff. I just maybe he did. And I was so young and naive that I didn't want to listen to him. I honestly, yeah. that man has so much good advice that I should have listened a lot sooner and quit being so stubborn. They probably would have been better off because he's so, my dad is like really good with his finances and he knows this stuff. But I think as kids, when it comes from your own parents, when you're young, you don't tend to listen as much as when you're older. I totally agree. You And you know what, especially just, you probably were very independent. You just wanted to go through the, you know, your own trial and errors too as well. And 
it's similar to my story too. My mom was the same. She was always like, she would hound me. She was like, save, save, save. But in my mind, I was like, save, why? I have all lifetime to make money. Why do I need to save? Those look way better to buy than have to save my money. And I think what it is, is that they, my mom didn't fully understand how to explain it. And I needed to understand why, you know, mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. do it. So yes, I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> okay. So Plus. then at least, you, but, but you have the education that you're able to, you know, like you said, you educate your clients so that they're able to kind of put themselves in a better place. Yes. In, in, in layman's terms, things that we can actually understand. Correct. So then, so how many years have you been a wealth advisor? So I've been doing this for a little over a year. And like I said, there's just in that year, there's just so much information to absorb and there's mm-hmm. so much more. I, I'm trying to get to that point where I can help my clients dabble into the stock market, like Mm -hmm. set up their investment portfolios to actually versus like the conservative retirement accounts or the conservative uh, financial vehicles that you can use. You can actually, I can actually help them dabble in the stock market and have higher risk and return. That's what I'm doing. I have high, I do high risk because like my guy explained it to me, which I do like that he told me this. He's like, you have no big responsibilities right now. You're still young. You don't have liabilities. He's like, this is when you need to be aggressive as far as how you are with the stock market. And he's correct. And the thing is with stock markets, do you understand where your money's being invested or are you trusting just what he said? He does. He actually gives me like a printout. Like I have, and I'm able to log in myself so I know, but I've actually recently have started learning like what all these companies mean or what all these like different areas he's investing him in. What does that mean? I've actually started, you know, TikTok has a lot of people that actually are teaching you how to understand all the stocks and portfolios. And that's helped me figure it out. So now I'm going to go back into my portfolio and look at what we have invested in. But I know it's on more on the aggressive side. I've been I didn't have not wanted to look at it because I know the stock market kind of tanked a little bit. So yes, I don't want to I don't want to see how much I've lost at this point. But if it goes down, it will always go back up. Oh, yeah. It's a long term game. And that's what I want people to understand. It's when you're investing like that for retirement, you got to look at the long term, like 40 years from now, not five or 10 years even. And that's the hardest thing to explain to a client sometimes because with our society, everything's like at a click of our hands. So Mm -hmm. to try to explain to a client that, hey, put money aside for 40 years down the road, they don't really see the growth. And, you know, so that's the hardest part, too, that I feel like I try to explain to clients and get them to understand that this is a long, this is a marathon. This is not just a short race. You have. Yeah, no, I totally understand it. So then going back, I'm going to go backtrack a little bit before we get into all the 401k stuff for you. You know, you kind of said that your friend got you into this, but is there something in your life or did something impact you to be in this profession? Like, even though your friend was like, you should get in this. Is there anything that you just that sparked in you, I guess, to like go into it? Yes. So like I said, you know, the more and more I got immersed in the financial industry, I just realized like a lot, very few people understood how money works. Yes, they know how to spend it, but a lot of us let money hold us as hostage Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like we bust our butts day in and day out just to earn an income to pay for things that we want or need, support our families. And we mm-hmm. stress ourselves on how to build a life around that or how to get more money to continue the standard of living. And I just no longer wanted to be a slave to money. I wanted to achieve financial freedom and I wanted to learn how to live below my means, but also mm-hmm. like learn how to make money work for me so that way I can acquire more money and then have more time to do the things 
things that I enjoy doing, not just in this rat race where it's like, okay, I got to work, 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 work so that I can pay for these things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that is the reason why I decided to just take it on full force and just stay committed to this industry is because of that. And then did you have to do any certifications or is it more like you got hired on and learned on the job or... So there's certification, yes. So when you become a wealth advisor, there's different types of tests. Just like, you know, becoming a lawyer, you have to learn about the market. You have to learn mm-hmm. and know what you're talking about. So yes, there were certifications that I had to take. Mm-hmm. I am working on my Series 63 right now. What is that? Because I've heard people say like people that are in finance, they're like, oh, I'm doing the Series something and this and that. And I'm like, what? What does all that mean? Like- so there's like levels to the game, just like, you know, in any mm-hmm. industry. And this is more to, to get into just learning more about like the stock market. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's why I said I was wanting to get into that. So then you'll be able to teach us some of that or, or at least educate us a little bit on yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So what is one of your life goals? Yeah. So life goals, oh man, life goals. I can't tell you how many times I've like edited my life goals. <laughs> It is a process and, you know, and it's a journey. If anything, I would advise people to like edit it often, always edit it. And I mean, some of the decisions that I made probably still keep my mom up till this day, but uh, others, you know, has helped me move forward in my life. But I think that ultimately all my endeavors have led back to just one mantra that I continue to live by, which is like, to make an income, but also while making an impact. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what fuels my soul to kind of keep just moving forward. I've always been in a role where I'm mentoring or motivating. And Mm -hmm. I guess here's the bigger picture. So I guess my life goal is, like I said, just making an impact. That's awesome. That's beautiful. I mean, at least you, you know, you have a goal and then you also have an overall agenda for your life and what you want to leave as far as like a legacy behind. So that's awesome. And then, so let's get into what is, in your opinion, what is a millennial mindset for them planning for their future? What kind of mindset should millennials have? Well, as far as my millennials mindset goes, I, I feel like being a millennial, well, it depends because, you know, there's a the tail end and then there's like actually right dab in the middle. Yeah. And so when I'm talking about the right dab in the middle, I feel like they should start sooner than later. It's hard to because their mentality is what uh, enjoying life. Everything they do has to be for enjoyment. Do you agree? Yeah. No, that's true. Like in your early 20s, like I said, when you first get your first big paycheck, like you're actually working and getting a paycheck. You're like, oh my gosh, all this money. And you don't know what to do with all of that money that you end up spending. If you don't have a plan, you end up spending it frivolously on things that you honestly probably didn't even need, didn't bring you much fulfillment or enjoyment? Yes, I do. Like I said, start sooner than later. Don't procrastinate. I sound like my mom more and more when I talk to clients and I tell them this, but uh, it's just true. Learn to live below your means. And I think that's the kind of the hardest Mm -hmm. because of just the way society is and, you know, social media makes it look like you can only be happy if you have these luxurious things, materialistic things. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just learning how to live below your means and learn how to acquire more wealth by investing into like financial vehicles that actually you're making your money work for you. And of course, be patient. It's true. 
being patient is the hard part. Yes, sometimes. being patient is not an overnight success. That is very true. So going, so I want to touch a little bit on, I guess for you with all your clients, do you notice a lot of them, they just have this kind of fear of money or finances, so they kind of avoid it? Yes. So there's, I get both. I get people that are fearful of facing the money and financial aspect, but then I have people that are open to wanting to learn to improve, you know, and I mm-hmm. feel like that's just like anything in life. Either you run from it or you want to kind of deal with it head on. And the thing with fear is I think it comes from the fact that money is a necessity of life. Do you agree? It is. I mean, so you have to have it to purchase anything at this exactly. point. Exactly. So then generally speaking, people may have the fear from lack thereof because it is a necessity. Yeah. When you get in a mentality of fear, it it's like it, it almost hinders you and paralyzes you to being in this little box to where when you're just like, you know what, I understand that I have to have money, but I'm going to look beyond that and think more of in a mindset of abundance. And then that mindset helps you prepare yourself for the future because then you start learning, oh, well, I need to make sure I do this or I need like a lot of the finance books that I've picked up. They have taught me like all these different vehicles of investing or making sure that you have different areas that you are taking care of. Yes. So the other thing is, yes, they do say that. And just and I think that to overcome the fear is just to properly plan. And if you feel like you can't have a strategic plan in place yourself, there's people out there. That's that's what I'm here for. And just like what you did, took it upon yourself to educate yourself. Uh, I mean, we have our cell phones with us. So, I mean, you, you can go and search things online. You also have audibles that you can download, things like that that can help with it. And I think that's what- I, Oh, and, well, definitely. And I think it comes with time too, like when you're ready for it or having a mentorship when you're younger to actually lead you down that road. That is true. And I think, see, these are the things that I feel like colleges should be teaching you. Like they should be required classes, like before they send you off into the real world. Because if you're like someone like me that didn't know, I knew about savings and I knew how important it was, but I didn't know about a 401k IRA. I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, I didn't know how to budget. I didn't know any of all that. I just kind of figured it out along the way. Yeah. Why do you think, let me ask you this, because I think about it sometimes, like why do you think that is the education uh, yes, they give you like the material, you know, like the technical side, but they don't give you the real life experience, which is, I feel like more important. Honestly, I think it's because the system may be broken. It's very outdated and it's not, I just don't feel like they're preparing you. Yes. For the basics of what your job or career is going to be depending on, cause I was, I'm in dental, so very different, but even like for dentists, they don't prepare them how, on how to own their own business, That's- which is super important. And I'm like, that should be a class that's mandatory because each dentist has the opportunity to be their own boss or to have their own practice. Exactly. Exactly. But I agree with you with that. I, I really don't know, but I've always questioned it. And I'm just like, why can't they put these like practical things in schools? And I've heard and like listened to like podcasts or, you know, it, people doing interviews and they're like, the system's broken and it's really up to you as an individual to either seek out that information or let them teach you what they want to teach you. I agree with you. And that's why I I feel so passionate about like where I'm at right now currently in my life and the position that I'm in because that's what I want to do. I, I want to educate even if they don't want to listen. I want to have the information available, but also in a way where you understand it. So mm-hmm. because of that, because you, like you said, you feel like the system is broken and they're teaching those things. So yes. I mean, it's a sad truth, but it is. And 
you know, maybe that's something that's in the future for you. You could start a course or something. I don't know. Hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> Actually, that's a great idea. Once you like get all like once you ha- are well informed in like all these areas, like especially stocks and all that, then you, you'll be able to have all the information to guide people yes. and, you know, telling them how to at least start off on the right foot. I totally agree with you. But and then let's let's so we're going to get into some of the some of the topics that I, I had some people reach out to me and actually because I posted it on the inst- on Instagram and they asked specific questions and they wanted to know information on this. But I was just kind of start the list of stuff that people were most interested in. OK, uh, some of it is also stuff that I had already mentioned to you. The first one is savings. How should people People start that and how much should you have in your rainy day fund? So savings, yes. I'm always like, yes, yes, yes. Always try to save. And the one thing that I've learned just being in the industry is that people tend to spend first and then try to save when you mm-hmm. should save first and then spend what's left over. Now, when it comes to a rainy day fund, I always encourage clients to actually have three months of rent ready in your savings account, just in case something, anything can happen. That's your rainy day fund. And if you need to pay rent, so you're not, you know, or anything like that. So that's what I always tell people to do especially with the pandemic going on right now. So like just having that, it's like cushion for you where you don't have to go into panic mode where it Mm -hmm. gives you, it buys you time to be like, okay, let me sit back. Basically it gives you freedom. And Mm -hmm. that's what the point of savings is. It allows you the freedom to kind of sit back, have your cushion and reevaluate the situation and see Mm -hmm. how to move forward. And that's why I think it's important. Now, how should you save and how much? Mm -hmm. So depending on how you get paid. So if you get like a consistent pay income every month that I say, they say 30, but it depends, you know, how much you make. I say at least Mm -hmm. 20%. How I do it is I pay all my bills off, but I also pay my savings account and I make it where it's like my mindset. I'm like, this is a requirement. This is like another bill to me. I have to say this. So that's what I do. So I save that. And then whatever's left after that. It's your fun money, I guess. It's your fun money. You can spend whatever you like on it if you like, or you can, and then part of that savings is also not even like having like liquid cash in the bank, but Mm -hmm. investing it too, like in a retirement vehicle. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've always heard like if if you're a big Dave Ramsey follower or whatnot, (laughs) which I don't, I don't know. I feel like sometimes his stuff is a bit extreme. That's why I, I loved, I love reading books from females because they they kind of cut the BS, but they're not as harsh. Yeah, you know, because it's already a sensitive subject as is. Yeah, but there's a few books that I've read, and if anybody wants to know, I just message me, and I'll send the links to you. Of course. But anyways, share um, with me too. I love share back and forth books, so that I way will. I can learn. Yeah, I have to. I actually have to find the actual title. I don't want to like mispronounce them, but there's no, no, two no. of them that that have helped me, and I'll post about it once we release this episode. I'll post the books so that way people kind of know. It's um, good but, because like another thing. I'm sorry, I was gonna tell you is that like with the books it's hard to find a book that doesn't make you go to sleep so so yes yeah you know because finances can get you can get lost in translation so yes I'm always on the lookout for books that are like keeps me awake it's informative and it's not just like boring exactly like (laughs) I I don't want to read I I just want like someone to give me either like their example or someone else's success story yes but then Put it in bullet points and tell me like, this is what it needs to be. This is what it is, what you need to do and how you need to start step implementing it in your life. That's what exactly. I do. <laughs> That's me. I just like things 
to the point, like give me examples, be to the point and concise and then move on and I, I I'll get it. And I think it's because, you know, nowadays everything moves so fast. So that's why it's better Mm -hmm. to have those kind of books. Yes. Going back to Dave Ramsey, he's always like, oh, you should save three to six months, I think, of your like living expenses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is like if somebody's looking all that and then they'd say, oh, three to six months. Oh, my gosh. It becomes an overwhelming number. But like you said, just have at least your basic like your rent, the four walls that yeah. are covered. And that way you have a little wiggle room to like breathe and not freak out like, oh, my gosh, my I'm going to be kicked out of my home or whatever. Of course, because you need a place to go back to. So if you save three months rent, it doesn't seem very daunting and very and overwhelming. And then when, like I said, you pay your rent and then you still have money for two other months. So you have time to figure out what to do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, it's not so as daunting. True. That's so true. So with you during the pandemic, have you had clients call you or freak out and panic or you've set them up pretty well where it's not really been an issue? So these are new clients. So my old clients, I, I, I'll reach back out and just kind of see, follow up, like, how are you doing? How everything? What's the game plan? What do you, what do you, what are you thinking? Let's talk this mm-hmm. out. Those are mm-hmm. fine. But the new clients that reach out to me are the one that's in really panic mode because they didn't think something like this would happen or didn't save for a rainy day and Mm -hmm. they were living outside above their means. So now with the pandemic, you know, a, a lot of people lost their jobs Mm-hmm. So they were used to two, let's say like a family, they were used to two incomes that supported a household with kids. And then let's say one partner loses their job. I mean, then now they're down to one. And let's say also then they get a pay cut. Let's say that other spouse gets a pay cut. So. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any kind of emergency fund, you kind of put yourself in a financial like situation where you're stressed out. And that is true. You cut, you're stressing out, you're panicking, and you're trying. And that's the worst thing. The worst thing is trying to kind of bounce back when you're just your mind is meant like you're clouded. You're mentally clouded because you're try- you're in like defense mode now. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, you panic. Like for me, I got furloughed for six weeks, but because I had a rainy day fund, I didn't really panic. It's just was like the whole I, I was more worried about the whole shutdown and that's never happened in the world like exactly. I never experienced that as as you know as a millennial and that's what that's what really brought me anxiety is just this whole pandemic and how serious it was but luckily I didn't have that extra stress of the financial part I was like okay you know it'll, things will be fine I fortunately have money saved up and my bills are all paid for my four walls are paid for so we're good so exactly. So then, like I said, the part you eliminated the biggest scare out of the picture. The biggest fear is like, how am mm-hmm. I going to survive? So that kind of just didn't that explain to me how that made you feel, though. Well, for, first of all, like to have that much in my savings, I was like, oh, I'm proud of myself for having that. Yay. But then, right? <laughs> but then I was like, I don't want to dig into that. I absolutely oh, yeah. do not want to. But be, like you said, when you live below your means, I got my last paycheck from my employer for for that month but that was enough to literally pay all my bills and still have a little bit left over to where I didn't have to worry if I did have to dig into my savings I would but it's like you can't go out you can't do anything so I mean exactly I covered the basics 
to where I didn't have, like I said, I, it was a relief to not have that kind of stress financially. It was, I was more worried about just like, well, will I have a job to go back? What if this is gone, goes on for so long that, that my company doesn't survive because we're a yeah. private practice. And it's like, what if that was what I was more worried about? Like, I won't have a job to go back to. The fact that you did that. And that's what I try to stress to people is that you surpass the first level, the first level of like financially being stressed out and not knowing what to do. How am I going to pay for where I live? But then you're able to go to the next level and think, okay, well, if just in case my company doesn't reopen, what's my plan B? So you see, so that's the whole reason why I stress saving. So you can have the freedom to decide what's the next step instead of having be held hostage to, you know, the, the, the worries of bills and stuff. Yes. Yes. So for you, your as far as savings, you recommend like starting small, but making sure you at least have that, especially during this pandemic, this should have taught all of us to like, oh my gosh, prepare yeah. ourselves. All right. So as far as savings, we've established that you need to at least have three months of your rent or mortgage saved up. Correct. Okay. And then, you know, you go forth from there. So the next thing uh, I had a few people actually ask to know what the difference between an IRA versus a 401k, but then I know that there's differences between the IRAs. Like, you said there's traditional and then there's a Roth. Okay. So this is where I lose some people. So I'm going to try, I'm going to break it down to where it's easy to understand. Now, mm-hmm. first off, these are all retirement vehicles. Okay. okay. And before I explain the difference between all three of those vehicles, I kind of want to paint this picture so that to kind of explain why it's important to partake in these vehicles. And then I'll Mm -hmm. explain the difference because like I said, when I was younger, my mom, you know, has told me to save, but it's like, what do I, you know, save in and why? So, so basically let me paint this picture for you guys. So back in the day, like during our grandparents' times, um, they started, they started working at a younger age, let's say like maybe like 20 years old and they worked and worked and then they retired at the age of 65. So, but they also had help with like pension plans and social security. So they really didn't need to save a lot of their own personal money plus like the average lifespan after 65 Mm -hmm. is like 10 years so your grandparents worked for 45 years and they only needed income for 10 years which is very doable Mm -hmm. nowadays we're seeing people start their career much later let's say around 28 30 but are Mm -hmm. still wanting to retire at the 65 mark but they're less working 10 less years and then like with medical advancements we're living till like the average now is like the age of 85 maybe even longer so yeah right and then pension plans are like literally non-existent now and who knows what happens to social security so you really have to rely on your personal savings to last you for at least 20 years if you're trying to retire at 65 oh wow do i still have everybody have you you still i'm here i'm here i'm listening i always like to put the reason why why are these important that's the reason why it's important for you to invest in one of those vehicles because there's you were like i said we're living longer so you have to be, you have to take that into account that you may be living 20 plus years when you're not working. You can't rely on social security with that or, and there's no more pension plans. So, but now back to the IRA. So now there's, let's talk about the IRAs first. So there's IRAs, which stands for individual retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Keywords, it's individual. So that Mm -hmm. means you can sign up for an IRA at the bank, 
credit union or a private company. Now, in the IRA uh, column, there's two types of IRA. You have a traditional IRA and then a Roth IRA, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, a traditional IRA is very similar to a 401k. So remember that. Traditional 401k, similar, okay? And when a traditional IRA is, there's no income limit to acquire an account. You can contribute up to $6,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And if you're over 50, it's 7,000. Now the word traditional simply means that the money you put in has not been taxed yet. So that means that you're putting in tax deferred money. So whenever, so you're putting in money that hasn't been taxed yet. So that means that when you're ready to withdraw that, Uncle Sam is going to be waiting there for his money (laughs) at the end. Yeah. So that's what that means. Okay. And that's very similar to a 401k. Now, the difference is a 401k is sponsored by your employer. So mm. if you are an entrepreneur and you want to start putting money aside, those you would look into either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Now, if you're working for a corporation that has a retirement plan, then that would be your 401k. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and with a 401k, they, you can, the amount is different. So you can contribute more money in a 401k, which is about 19,500 a year, 19,500. Mm-hmm. But there isn't an income limit to have an account. And most employers will match up to a certain percentage. Let's say, for example, they match 5%. So mm-hmm. I recommend always at least contributing 5% of your paycheck. And you don't even see it. They deduct it from your paycheck and it goes in there and you don't even see the money. So it's that's true. The, you don't realize it. It's yeah, gone. it's the beauty of it. And like I said, so... My advice to anybody that's out there that has, they're working for an employer that offers this uh, 401k account and Mm -hmm. they match to a certain percentage, go sign up on Monday. It's free money. (laughs) So That's what I wanted to say. It's free money. It's free money. Take advantage of that. Yes. Thing is, it's like, like I said, like a traditional IRA. So if you're putting pre and it takes out pre-tax money, what does that mean at the end, Daisy? That they're going to take the taxes out when you take the money out. That's right. So my advice to everyone is that you want to diversify. You want to put it into different financial vehicles or retirement vehicles where you can take advantage of the different tax benefits, which takes me back to the Roth IRA. So with the Roth IRA, the biggest difference is the money that goes into the account is post-tax. So they take the tax out of it already. So when Mm -hmm. you pull it out, it's tax-free. That's the difference. So- so for everyone, just if you have a job that has 401k, invest in your 401k from your job, especially if they're matching. Now, if you have a job that has a 401k, but they're not matching, do you recommend that they go ahead and sign up for the 401k or they can start like an IRA? I would still do the 401k with a company because it's right there. It's easy. You go through your HR, you uh, you sign up and then they just, they take it out of your paycheck and you don't even see it. So yes. Oh, that's true. That's better. You're right. Yeah. That's better because if you see it, then you might be like, no, let's not transfer that money over. Yes. So that's why I said <laughs> so it's still good, even if they don't match. And I think a lot of the companies kind of don't do that, especially during this time. I've noticed that because I've talked to clients where they said that my company don't match anymore. So, but yes, still do it. It's still, you know, it's still growing in there. So yes. Okay. So uh, so we've answered that question, IRA versus 401k guys. Leading into our next question. So what about, so budgeting, that's very important for people to understand. Like, I guess, how should you create a budget? Well, first of all, 
you should always budget. Now, how to create it to just make it like just very simple is you should not have it all into one account. Try to move it around in different accounts so you know what you're allocating your money to. But Mm -hmm. I always talk about the 50-30-20 rule. So what Mm -hmm. that means is you, the things that you have to pay for your needs, which is like Mm -hmm. your housing, food, um, you know, bills, things like that. You should take your paycheck. 50% of that should go towards that. Okay. And then whatever's left over, 20% of that should go to savings. And that includes your emergency fund, your 401k, your investments, your uh, retirement vehicles. And then the 30% would be just like your, I don't want to say fun money, but it's just like personal care, entertainment, hobbies, things like that. Yeah, because there's a balance. There's a balance of all. And, but you're still actually practicing budgeting. Because, like I tell people, you want to tell your money where to go because if you don't, you're you're always going to be like, well, what happened? Why did my bank account deplete? Where did this go? You know. So it's yeah. good to budget. It, and I think a lot of people, I, I I don't know. Actually, you know what? It's not that they're afraid to. It's just like they don't want to feel like they have to live within like a circle. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I get like they they're restricted. Restricted. Honestly, guys, you have to. Literally sit down, look at your entire, like if you use a credit card, debit card, whatever, look at your statement and look at every single thing you spend your money on for, I did it for like three months so I could see like what my usual spending looked like. I totally agree with you. So when you do do the budget, do it for at least three months so you can actually see the trend. One month is not going to be enough. No. Yeah. So do three months. Look at, this is the way I've done it. Like I looked at three months. I wrote it down on a journal, like pencil and paper. And then, or you can do an Excel sheet, Excel which sheet, I also yeah. did that. <laughs> I also did that because it makes it easier. And it, and then just look at your general expenses. And that way you're able to categorize it from like your essentials. Then you can put your, like your savings. And then that way you're able to see at the end of the year, like, okay, this is where all my money went. Yes. I've, I found that that was the easiest way for me not to get overwhelmed. I mean, at first it is overwhelming to just sit down and actually look at like how you spend your money, but it's also a reality check on, okay, if your goal is to be financially free by a certain age or get out of debt by a certain age, then you have to budget. It is super important. That's very Wouldn't important. you agree? I agree with you 110%. <laughs> just like you said, it's just if you're if you have a goal where you want to be financially free, yes, you have to tell your money where to go. Cause a lot of time you have it all in one account and you pay your bills and then you see that you have this money left over. And then that's where like the non-essential spending kind of plays where people are like, Oh, I have this much money. Let me stop here and get a Starbucks. Let me stop here and get uh-huh. this. Let me stop here and get this. You're never going to achieve what your goals if you do it that way. Yeah. Me and Whole Foods had that relationship a few years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was also, like, no. it'll definitely be an eye opener of the things that you spend money on that you can kind of cut back on too. It really is an eye opener for people to realize, God, I was spending $5 every time I go to the gym for pre-workout. But if I can go buy an actual pre-workout. I save this much money. You say exactly. Yes. It makes you savvier and you're like, okay, I gotta I gotta figure out, finagle this to where it's like it becomes a little bit, you know, like you said, buy your pre-workout or buy protein shake, protein yes. powder that's like, you know, 30, 40 bucks, the good kind. And that way versus you, like five dollars every time you go to the gym. 
No, girl, they charged me ten, almost ten dollars for a protein shake at the gym if I forget mine. But they add oh. like vegetables and all. I'm like, honestly, I can do that at home. You could do that yourself. Way but less. Think about it. Ten dollars. How many times do you go to a gym, or you try, you try to go to a gym per week? I mean, I usually go five to six days a week. So, but I don't do it every day. No, I usually have my protein shake bottle with my protein. And that's all I do. But let's just say, like, just take that into consider to show people what I'm talking about. Oh let's, yeah, let's. So that's like five. You, let's say five. Let's do five. I mean, people go three to five. So five. Uh-huh. T- that's fifty bucks times four. I mean, that's two hundred dollars on protein. When you said you could go buy something for thirty, forty bucks, and it lasts you a whole month or and more, it, or more exactly. So that right there, that's a hundred and sixty dollars savings that you can allocate towards investing towards like retirement or something. Exactly. So. Like I said, it, it definitely is an eye opener. I, I know it's overwhelming, but guys, don't don't get overwhelmed by just looking at that. Just start one day at a time, like write it down if you have to. And that's what Take, I'm here for, too. That's right. <laughs> or if you need a financial wealth advisor, that is what Terry's here for. And she can definitely help you and guide you on how to start all of this journey. I actually do it for my clients. I they All you do is tell me what you spend. You spend me your bank statements and I literally break everything down for you. And then we find out where the areas that we need to uh, adjust or Improve. correct. Uh, yes. See, oh, that's see, guys, if you need Way to easier. Talk, talk to Terry, if you need her advice and you just are overwhelmed and you don't want to do it on your own, by all means, just let her do it. <laughs> there you go. This concludes episode eight of Life is Full of Daisies with my guest, Terry Hope. Join us next week as we continue our conversation and get into credit cards, credit card debt, investing, stocks, life insurance, and she gives us her final words of wisdom to help all of us millennials be financially savvy. As always, thank you so much for your continued support. I'll be tagging Terry's information on our Instagram page at Life is Full of Daisies, where you can directly contact her with any questions you may have, or if you want to reach out to her to help you out in your financial journey, or you can directly email me at hellodaisy at gmail.com. As always, y'all have an amazing week, and don't forget to be kind along the way and do an act of kindness. Bye!